Hello. Hello. How's, how's it going? It's great. I don't know why I had to say it that way. It's not like I haven't seen you for the last... Yeah, we just came back from a... Costco run. Costco trip. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty fun. I haven't, I haven't done like a big grocery trip in... I don't usually do like large grocery runs. I'll just get all my grocery shopping done for the week. Um People are exhausted. God, seriously, that's like my only outing though. Yeah. So I make it last. And I'm like, look, I did things. And we trained Thor. Thor did really Ooh, good today. He, he um He got scared by children, but it's fair. I get scared by children. So I get that it. One kid that ran around the car, it, he scared me. I was like, whoa, shut up. To be fair, I don't think he knew we were there. But yeah, no, Thor did really good. Yeah. Um Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. You're a pet mom. Yeah. And anyone who wants to argue that you can't say that to pet parents, some <laughs> women cannot have children and their fur babies are their babies. So kindly fuck off. Has anyone told you? Yes, me? I've had that happen all the Why? time. Because people who are stupid. Who says that? I've never, had, I've never experienced that. I haven't experienced it here, but I've experienced it back in California. Wait. Yeah. Just, yeah. Why do people care about other people's business? People just stupid. fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That. There might be a lot of that today. <laughs> there is definitely going to be a lot of that today. And we're, we're um, going to. <laughs> we're gonna try to stay focused but we cannot make any guess. yeah just let people make their own decisions yeah seriously <laughs> stay the fuck out of it we are not involved in your cult okay I'm <laughs> you're in a cult call your dad call your dad unless your dad's in the cult then maybe call your other dad <laughs> you can call us we're your dad yeah we'll be your non-culty parents <laughs> um well, oh, welcome. Uh, you are listening to Difficult Damsels. Yeah. This is a podcast about badass and amazing women from history. Oh, I'm yeah. Rachel. I'm Kat. And um, yeah, we're, I think at this point, we are back on cadence, our normal cadence. I think yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. Actually, we're early. We flip flopped it. No, we didn't. Because I, yeah, no, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, what year is it? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> we delayed recording again a little bit just because you actually needed some time. I needed a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I needed my time. I got my time. And then Kat said she needed time. And we're I all went, about. I went to a conference in Vegas and I fucking hate Vegas. There's so much going on. So many people. So many lights. The, the the sound doesn't stop. There's so many oh, people. Yeah. It's just, it's not for me. Like, if you love Vegas, power to you. But I, I went once and I'll never go again. <laughs> I don't mind Vegas if if I'm staying off the strip. Because at least it, it's a casino. Or usually you're staying yeah. at a casino. So it's still, it's still busy. But I it tends work, to be... Calm down. <laughs> it wasn't even for play. <laughs> I don't mind the off the strip casinos. Because they do tend to be a little quieter as quiet as you can be in yeah. Vegas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you're actually going to the casinos on the strip, it's just so many people. Yeah. 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 It was, I mean, it was, I liked walking down. I don't even know if we were on the main strip, um, but I think it was Fremont Street, um, the non-gross Fremont Street. Is that real? 
Um, <laughs> I'm like, okay. But I mean, there were cool, you know, there were cool like artists and stuff like that. So that was fun to watch. But just, yeah, too many people. And then a lot of people. We literally went from like, it was like so many lights and sounds and all the stuff surrounding us. And then we go across the street. And that street was like the demarcation line for where like you don't go further because that's real Fremont Street and real Fremont Street you die. Wait, why <laughs> and we is were that? all. Can you explain that? It's it's just it's it goes from nice and up kept kept up and and you know the touristy area to the old historic. There's a lot of vagrants. There's a lot of shady characters. Lots of bars, things like that. It just okay. it definitely gets to where you feel. Like, less safe yes and it was funny because i was walking around with entirely Same. entirely armed people and we were all like can, can we go back <laughs> yeah so that was fun but yeah i definitely it was great to experience at one time but i got home needed, and i was like yeah. i need silence so. and you know we've talked about it on therapy treehouse here um if you if you need a break if you need time yeah speak up and take it yes that's your time <laughs> finn um, so that is why, I mean, you guys aren't going to notice a difference because, no. um, Mary Queen of Scots part one already came out this week, right? Yeah. Well, the week before this it was, week. It was this week. Yeah. I mean, the listener will get the episode two weeks after the episode aired, which was Wednesday. Yeah. But yeah. It's um, a lot of, a lot of timey whiny shit guys. <laughs> yeah. Basically we're time travelers and you just don't need to deal with it. <laughs> All you need to know is we got um, we got the time we needed. I'm feeling very refreshed and I'm in a good place. And I don't me know too. About you. Sorry, you were looking at me and I'm yeah. totally drinking. So <laughs> got weird. yeah, I'm great. Yeah, no, I'm I'm as good as I can be right now. Yes, with a little calling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's been a lot of that. Yeah, um, I've decided I've got some some deadlines I've made for myself. So. Related to what? My writing. Oh, yes. And all that stuff. Yeah. You have to do that because yeah, I want to I read will. it. Because I, I love your story idea just in general. <laughs> it's right up my alley. Hell yeah. Um, I, the listener's not going to know what we're talking no, no, about, no. but maybe Kat will have a short story to possibly. Yeah. Hell, if I don't publish it, we can just read it on here. Hell yeah. <laughs> we've, already, we've already done like <laughs> listening corner in our yeah. like, Witcher episode. <laughs> but um, No, I just found a cool... Um, open call for submission for an anthology that's yeah. like a what was it it was a the villains do it better yes so i decided to write out one of my lore stories that i heard told rachel about she's yeah. obsessed with already and i love it i love it <laughs> and i have one i want to do too i just don't know if i have time if i have time we'll see you got a couple months yeah but i mean i write <laughs> I write book reports every other week. I know you so. do. You do. I know. I, I said that I, I like suggested that Rachel do it, and I was like, "Wait, who's going to do the podcast?" It's interesting <laughs> because we didn't um, we didn't record last week, so I had like a free week, kind of. Um, and my friend was having a really really hard time, and so like we it we used to write together, and I haven't written for leisure in a really long time so I like yeah. was inspired and I sat down and I wrote something and I sent it to her because I knew she would be I should send it to you you should I was a little kind of for like five seconds but it's okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it to you hell yeah um but yeah it was it was really nice to be able to write something that's just for fun yeah it's very cathartic yeah. miss doing it yeah. but I love doing this too um Anyway, so we are on 
This is, I think, episode 37. Yes. Yes. Mary, Queen of Scots, part two. Part dos. I'm going to give you a little... A part do it. <laughs> part do. <laughs> I'm going to give a little disclaimer for myself. For so, myself. As we all probably know by now, I am a total Queen Elizabeth simp. She is my girl. She is one of my all-time favorite queens. Um, I wanted to do this podcast in part because of her, along with Agrippina and Catherine the Great. We'll do her one day. Um Elizabeth is going to be very integral to the story going forward because she integral. Sorry. <laughs> Gotta correct me at least once. Um, I'm doing it for you. Now, the interesting thing is she and Mary will never meet face to face, but Elizabeth is always there just off the page. That was forcing. And if we're going to take teams, I always choose Elizabeth. That's fair. But I will do my best to tell Mary's side of the story as impartially as I possibly can and do it justice. Um, so what we need to understand going forward is this. The relationship between Elizabeth and Mary is convoluted, and it is greatly influenced by the men and random events around them. Mary learned a lot from the French court she grew up in. Um, that's exactly where we left off in part one. But in many ways, it may have been to her detriment that she was raised in France. Mary is stepping into a political game that she has no direct interaction with up to this point. Elizabeth was raised in it. She was declared illegitimate by the age of two and would wear that stamp all of her life. She grew up dodging plots to kill her and plots to usurp the throne from her sister, Mary Tudor. Elizabeth knows the people involved in English and Scottish politicking better than Mary. <laughs> but the thing Mary has going for her is that she is very charismatic. She is very good at getting people to trust and support her if she can get that face to face with them. And over time, Mary's natural charisma lends to people naturally falling for her in one way or another. All right. All right. So, yeah. Um, are you ready to just hop into it? Wait, where did we leave off? Sh Mary has landed in Scotland. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Francis II of France, her sniveling oh, God. husband, <laughs> has died. Who apparently a... has every ailment I have. <laughs> <sighs> just... Don't have a ear infection turn into an abscess I'll try in your really brain. Hard not to. I can't make any guarantees. <laughs> so yeah, 14 years after leaving Scotland for France, Mary finally returned home on August 19th, 1561, and she landed in the city of Leith. Home that she doesn't actually consider home anymore. She's <laughs> like, I'm French. I'm fucking French. I'm six days old. Come on. <laughs> I am Mary Queen of Scots, but also French. But really French. <laughs> She did not arrive to the kind of reception one might expect for a monarch returning home. Well, yeah, because your mother-in-law fucked shit up for you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Mary had left Scotland as a little girl, and when she returned, it was as a Catholic speaking a foreign language. So. You put a really weird I know. She I thought Catholic about speaking? It. I didn't know we had our own language. <laughs> um, yes. Cool. Sign me up. Um. So much had changed in Scotland during her absence. Absence? Absinthe? Why am I struggling with words That's today? <laughs> anyway, various squabbles over the Regency have left the Scottish nobles divided. Scotland has also undergone a Protestant Reformation, and Protestantism was now recognized as the official religion of Scotland. Uh -oh. So she is Catholic, a uh -oh. Catholic queen. She's like, look, guys. <laughs> so she is... Catholic and she's a foreigner and the nobles probably couldn't pick between the two, which was worse. Yeah. They're yeah. like, no, you should leave. <laughs> 
She also has a new enemy to contend with, one that openly condemned her and preached relentlessly against her, and his name was John Knox. You probably have heard, you probably at least know the name from history class because he was really big on the Protestant Reformation. So a little bit on John Knox. Knox was a minister, theologian, and writer who would go on to lead the Scottish Reformation. He started as a priest but became involved with the earliest reformers in Scotland. He would later be imprisoned during Mary of Guise's regime in Scotland and exiled to England, where he found work with the Church of England and rose to the rank of royal chaplain for Edward VI of England. Edward VI was Henry VIII's son. Wasn't the Church of England Catholic? No, because remember, Henry VIII broke from oh, the shit, church right. and yeah, established yeah. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. the Church of England. Henry the fucking eighth. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Edward VI was notor- was a notoriously fanatical Protestant by, like, the age of 14. Sir, that's problematic. Yeah. Well, he like, dies at, like, 16. But, yeah. He, so he lived a great life. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. After Edward died, Mary Tudor ascended to the English throne. Again, Bloody Mary. So... Knox was exiled from England because she was a Catholic. He's like, can I just land somewhere? Well, he ends up landing in Geneva, which is where he met John Calvin. Remember that name? So John Calvin ended up creating Calvinism and his Reformation theory greatly influenced John Knox. They were just like... Look at that ghost, kind of selfish to name your religion after you, but whatever. Most men <laughs> are. When they start religions after themselves. I know. <laughs> You're in a cult, call your dad. Call your dad, <laughs> or your mom, or your aunt, or your uncle, call someone. When John Knox finally returned to Scotland, it was as the leader of the Protestant Reformation. He is largely responsible for removing Mary of Guise from power, and it was his intent to do the same to Mary Stuart when she returned to Scotland. Mary had grown up in the splendor of French court where chivalry was in full effect, and it was common practice to shake hands with your enemy and smile to his face. John Knox would have been a highly unusual situation for Mary. It was likely the first time she ever encountered anyone openly criticizing and condemning her. She's like, wait, what? She's like, this is not what I was used to this in the is, French court. This is not how like, we I do it. I know they want to stab me, but they'll still shake my We're hands. We're passive aggressive and we <laughs> smile. <laughs> Now, Knox openly preached against Mary, painting her as an evil Catholic monarch that dressed too extravagantly. Fair. Which, yeah. Uh, yeah, (laughs) she came from the French fucking court. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But he also condemned her for hearing mass and, gasp, worst worst of all, dancing. (laughs) The fucking dancing every time. The puritanical. um, I know. Protestants really don't like singing and dancing for some reason. Well, maybe get the <laughs> stick out of your ass. Now, John Sorry. Knox would be one of the first major problems Mary had to deal with upon arriving in Scotland. Before leaving for Scotland, Mary had met with both Protestant and Catholic delegations back in France to get updated on the religious situation in Scotland. These were delegations um, that came from Scotland. Okay. She was said to have met with her half-brother... James Stewart, who is the Earl of Moray. We will be calling him Moray. Do I have 5,000 James in this one? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> and he had advised her that the best chance at managing Scotland would be to maintain the status quo and leave Protestantism as the official religion. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> now a little bit on James Stewart. Mary's half-brother ended up being her closest ally initially. 
Despite their religious differences, Moray was the leader of the Protestant nobles in Scotland. Mary trusted him enough to keep him on as one of her chief advisors. It's likely that the two corresponded frequently and that they were close um, from the time of childhood. Right. So they wrote letters to each other all the time. I was going to say, well, she was in France? Or... <laughs> while she was in France okay. and he was in, he helped her mother right. while she was regent. But also, guys, this is why you don't, you're not the queen of France and the queen of Scotland. Pick one. <laughs> so then you're not hated when you come back. <laughs> he even traveled to France to witness her wedding to Francis. Francis. Mary was Mary was the one that ends up elevating him to the status of an earl, and she creates the earldoms of both Moray and Mar for him. Oh, wait, you got two earldoms? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Listen, when you're the queen of Listen. France and Scotland and possibly England, you can do what you want. Or we can reevaluate. You get the one. Ugh, you get the just one. one. That's more than most people have, so just calm down. Now, thanks in part to Moray's suggestion. Mary's response to the political situation was largely pragmatic. Um, This might have even been taking a page out of Catherine de' Medici's early book. And her initial policies in Scotland promoted religious tolerance. She agreed to honor Protestantism as the official religion of Scotland, and she was in turn allowed to retain her own personal faith. This is why I love, and this this is nowadays and back then, like, everyone bitches about something, but then... They go and turn around and do the same thing to someone else. And you're like, um, yep. do you need my help with this? Well, or again, you're going like, to park the car right here. <laughs> it's like we saw with Catherine de Medici. A lot of it's also just political power. Plays. Yeah. It's, I want power. I'm greedy for more. Yeah. I can, my religion I happens can, to be X. Yeah. I so, can utilize this religious yeah. unrest to my advantage. Exactly. Because I decide that asshole, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. We're going to get into that. (laughs) Here we go. So a couple of weeks after arriving in Leith, Mary traveled to Edinburgh to make her official entry into the capital as the Queen of Scots. Now, Edinburgh was another castle. I think you have that picture of it. Um, It's another castle in Scotland notable for its natural defenses. Because there's like 8,000 castles in Scotland. (laughs) Wait till you see this one. So it sits atop Castle Rock with sheer cliffs on the north and south side of the castle. The castle sits on Castle Rock. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Remember there was Casterly Rock in Game of Thrones? Yes. All those names come from, like, actual places. Of course they do. The only way to approach the castle is from the town on its east side, and several gates protect the route to the summit of the castle. Oh, look, I'm moving to Scotland. (laughs) And so um, Edinburgh Castle is said to have been, of all of the castles in Great Britain, the one that has endured the most sieges at a number of, I believe it's 26. Can I have that room there? Yes, the one that's on the cliff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want that one. I'll be next door. Ew. Wow. (laughs) Fine, I'll be on the opposite side. You'll have to talk to my guards to see me. Oh, God. (laughs) You'll have to talk to me. Can I just talk to her for like five minutes? I'll probably defend your guards and then I'll just walk in. Rude. (laughs) They're all, hey guys, what's up? They're like, go ahead. Fire all of them (laughs) with an X. (laughs) Wow. Now, when Mary arrived. kill Bruce. In Edinburgh, she was presented with the keys to the city, a Bible, and a book of Psalms. When Mary established her privy council, she retained most of the people who had already held positions in the government. This both surprised and enraged the Catholic faction because most of the people who held offices of state were Protestant nobles. For fuck's sake! Like, as long as they can run that shit! Who cares? Of of the 16 men assigned to her privy council, only four of them had been Catholic. The fucking audacity. (laughs) 
So Mary very much starts off wanting to keep the established power in place, and it was clear, it was a clear move that indicated her intention to work with the Protestants She's of like, her country. Can we just have peace? She's I, being, you don't know what I just came from. It started at six <laughs> days old. I need a drink and I need peace. <laughs> she's she's trying to be very practical yeah. in her reign. Weird how women do that. Right? So the Protestant leaders on the council were the Earls of Moray, Argyle. Um, the Earl of Argyle was Moray's brother-in-law. Okay. And Glencairn. And the Catholic leaders of the council were the Earls of Athol, Errol, and Huntley. Um, Huntley was the Lord Chancellor. All right. I believe manages the purse strings. Cool. By main... Watch your time. <laughs> I know. I'm almost... Yeah. Okay. By maintaining the already established status quo of Protestant power, Mary was abandoning the previously established Catholic power that had allied itself with France, which was probably just as well because France was knee-deep in its own religious cataclysm yeah. and likely... Would not have been able to aid Scotland even if it wanted to. They're like, let's not deal with them. She's like, I just came from there. It's not great. <laughs> now, some historians suggest this was an early sign of Mary's shifting ambitions and focus on the English throne, which we're going to get into. You would think that maintaining the Protestant status quo and supporting leadership and policy that would help keep it in place would make people happy, right? No one is ever happy if a woman is sitting on the goddamn throne. Especially if your name is John Knox. Um, John Knox. So he's, he's still running his mouth and even provoked a small skirmish that resulted in Mary's servants being harassed while they attended mass. Um, he's a dick. He he's literally dick. is preaching about how he wants Protestants to have the freedom to worship on their own, as they will. Well, and yet, here we are. <laughs> Not exactly. He's saying Catholicism is just evil and Protestantism is the Well, only yeah, because the Catholics in this time religion. have um, proven it. What? <laughs> what was that? Nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> so mere days after arriving in Edinburgh, Mary summoned John Knox to appear before her to answer for his actions. And it was quite the meeting. She's like, the fuck, bro? <laughs> Basically, that's what she said. She said, the fuck, bro. And he was like, yeah, fuck you. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, when he appeared before her, Mary accused Knox of inciting a rebellion against her mother and of writing a book against her authority as queen. Uh, you wrote a book. How dare you? When asked if they could find common ground and if he would accept her rule, he responded that he would accept her so long as the Scottish subjects found her role convenient. He then compared himself to Paul the Apostle, Stop. who managed to live under the tyranny of Nero. Stop. Mm -hmm. You douchebag. <laughs> so the book he wrote was basically saying the monarchy should be abolished, which is an argument Fair. to have. Yeah. Um, but it really specifically targeted female leaders. And of course it did, leadership. because this guy is, yes. this guy is putting off some serious Nordic energy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say he's not just a bigot. He's also a misogynist. But that works, too. He's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> now finally when mary asked if knox believed her subjects had a right to resist her he... i think i know finn i, feel I really the hope way. the mic picked that up because that was adorable <laughs> um john knox retorted that any monarch that exceeded their lawful limits should be resisted by force if necessary <laughs> who, who's putting in those 
lawful limits, asshole. Oh, of course. <laughs> is it misogynistic men? <laughs> it's men with who long, look at my boobs and get long beards. <laughs> yeah, with weird long beards. <laughs> now Mary is approximately nineteen at this point, and although it is said that she held her own against him during this first meeting, she apparently broke down into tears after he left. Yeah, they're called tears of frustration. She's like, I wanted uh, to stab him. <laughs> Knox is in his 30s at this point, so he's just, like, talking down to this teenage he's girl. He's a tool. He's a douche-cadoo. A douche-cadoo. A douche-cadoo. <laughs> this would not be the first time the two would meet face-to-face, as Mary would summon Knox to stand before her to answer for charges of inciting revolt and treason anytime he gave a sermon against her, which was often. But ever the diplomat and pragmatist, Mary allegedly reached out to him saying she did not begrudge his difference of opinion, but that if he had a problem with her in the future, he should just come to her directly. Yeah, stop being a baby back bitch and come talk to me like a grown-ass adult. Which you are. I'm not. I'm only 19. And I'm doing this better than you. Because I'm female. That's exactly what, yeah. yeah. So Knox was, with his small dick energy, <laughs> simply retorted that he would continue his sermons against her without bothering to wait on her. Did he stomp while he was at it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Knox will go on to be a permanent thorn in Mary's side and preach about her until the day she died. What a dick. Yeah. Ugh. Not much of one. Not much of one. he didn't have one. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he had to be a dick because he didn't have one. Now, once the religious issue had been sort of addressed, so Mary kinda. turned her attention in the early years of her reign towards two important tasks. As a young, beautiful bachelorette, oh, no. Mary was expected to find herself a new shiny husband. She's like, why can't I just not do that? Because it didn't work out the last time. Now, the first person she set her sights on had been Don Carlos of Spain. Remember we talked about him? Sure. So... <laughs> He is the son and heir presumptive to King Philip II of Spain. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Don Carlos made a promising match on paper. He was Catholic and heir presumptive to the most powerful kingdom in Europe. Maybe you should marry a Protestant. That would make sense, Kat, sorry. but that's not what we do here. So sorry. <laughs> I forgot. I feel like I'm we'll get to that. That's don't a use logic big here. thing. <laughs> anyway, an alliance between Scotland and Spain would have also strengthened Scotland's defense or offense against England. But there's just one problem. Do you remember? What? You can't come out of that field with questions. I've referenced it many times. But so unbeknownst to unbeknownst to most of the world, Don Carlos was mentally unstable. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Do I remember that? That was like five years ago. We're gonna get into (laughs) we're gonna get into it. So buckle up. So she's like, must I marry that one? He was kind of no, she's she's trying to do it. Oh, she doesn't this know. Is, this is, yeah, nobody knew. So Oh, no. So, That's dangerous. Okay. Thanks to inbreeding within the House of Habsburg, um, he only had four great-grandparents instead of the standard eight. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, no. She's like, where are the... You Where's know, the other half of your grandparents? He's like, they're all right here. She's like, oh, my God. You know who was also part of the House of Habsburg? Yes. Shit, I was, I was kidding. <laughs> yeah, no. So her mother Habsburg sounded familiar, so I just threw it out there. Her mother was a Habsburg. She came, oh, she was yeah. the I believe the granddaughter of Victoria. Yeah, the House of Habsburg goes. It's a house that lasted it's a for problematic life. Problematic house for sure. And Anastasia's little brother had the like anemia. Alexi. Yes, yeah. because of the inbreeding. Listen, <gasps> inbreeding is bad. Inbreeding is bad, guys. <laughs> Don't do it. Your kids will suffer for it. <laughs> um. 
So in addition to the inbreeding, Don Carlos suffered from a number of physical and psycho psychological disabilities. He was said Ooh. to be emotionally unstable and was already engaging in animal cruelty and abuse of servants by the age of 11. Okay, I was going to say me too until you started animal cruelty, and I was like, just kidding, I'm just emotionally unstable. <laughs> <laughs> in the end, Don Carlos would grow so unstable that his father, Philip, would have him locked up. Philip would end up rejecting Mary's attempts to marry Don Carlos. He's like, trust me, you do not want this. A couple of years later, no. Don Carlos would die of natural causes. Oh yeah, that poison is very natural. Natural ingredients. Some people suggested that yeah, Philip yeah. himself. The ingredients are yeah. organic. <laughs> it's natural. Don Carlos was 23 years old. Oh, that's very sad. 23 yes. is my number. You know what? Well, not anymore. Oh, apparently <laughs> I have to change it. <laughs> Another proposed husband for Mary had been the Archduke Charles of Austria. Do you not look at that and be like, maybe the universe is telling you not to marry? <laughs> no, Mary didn't do that. Oh, she, she, missed, the, she missed the flags. She missed if, the... if we're talking about like Florence and the Machines song, King, where Ooh, she yes. sings, um... God, what does she sing? We'll have to look it up. I don't know, you She's like, I'm not, I'm not bride, bride, I'm not mother, I am king. Fuck yeah. So bride is, yeah. bride is Mary, yeah. Catherine de' Medici is mother, Elizabeth is king. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, Mary will get married a couple of times. <laughs> Damn it. Um, okay. A couple of times. Oh my god. Shh. Shh. <laughs> so my pastor will like, what? Spoilers <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> okay. Let me finish. He's very concerned. <laughs> anyway, so... The Archduke Charles of Austria was proposed as another husband for her. This had been thanks to the conniving of Mary's uncle, Charles of Guise. He didn't for think, fuck's sake. He didn't think we were done with the Guises. I was Gieses, really hoping you? we would be. <laughs> They're like, look, guys, we fucked up in France. Let's go fuck up Scotland. <laughs> but negotiations had been conducted without Mary's knowledge or consent. And when she found out, she was enraged and she scolded her uncle for his meddling and put an end to the negotiations herself. Hell yeah, girl. Yeah. But also, like, isn't that part of the course that negotiations happen without you? You are cattle. Not when you're the queen of Scotland. I mean, well, she was like, "No, I'm going to pick my own husband." She's like, "Fuck your shit." She's like, "I've been a queen since you I was six me days to old." A sniveling Francis of France. He died. <laughs> I didn't work out clearly, so it's my turn. <laughs> Sorry, Francis. Now, around the same time that Mary was shopping around Europe for a new husband, she was also trying to contact Queen Elizabeth of England and putting together a case to have herself named as the heir presumptive to the English throne. Oh my God. So here's the thing. Why? Here's the, here's the thing. Okay. 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 Queen Elizabeth did not have any children oh, yeah. and she was not married and she would continue to be harried. She being Elizabeth would continue to be harried by her advisors for years and years to name a successor as they were concerned about the utter chaos that would break out in a, if an official heir was not named. The fucking chaos breaks out whether you have an official heir or not. It's just a little more crazy when you don't have one. And Elizabeth has always been reluctant to name an heir. So a little bit on Elizabeth. She's like, look guys, I'm actually immortal. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> so back when her older half-sister, Mary Tudor, had been Queen of England... Several plots had sprung up to try and put Elizabeth on the throne in her sister's place, especially after Mary named her as her heir. So the thing that happened was Elizabeth was like, I don't want anything to do with this. Yeah. My sister is the queen. That is the yeah. law. Um, but people 
kept fighting in Elizabeth's name. Yeah. People and do that uh, when you're queen. <laughs> and Elizabeth ended up in the Tower of London. Oh, shit. She's like, fuck, we've done so, this. It didn't work out for me. We're not doing it again. Yes. Everybody is, calm the hell down. This is why she was reluctant to name an heir, because she understood, having experienced it herself, the moment you name an heir... You're in trouble. Everyone who does not like you will plot to kill you to put that person in your place. So that is where Elizabeth is coming from here. It's very fair. Now, even if Mary had the best of intentions, it would not stop other people from plotting against Elizabeth in her name or anyone else for that matter. Mary's ambassador to England had been William Maitland, and he did say that Elizabeth admitted Mary had the best claim after her. So Elizabeth is aware of it. She's just, she's stuck in this very awkward position of like. She's like, I'm not giving you guys that open door. Legally, you should be my heir. But if I name you, it's. She's like, look, when I'm dying, (laughs) when I'm dying, you and I have an agreement now, but it's a hush hush agreement. (laughs) Now, Elizabeth will tease and teeter back and forth between naming Mary as her heir for the duration of her reign. Just as Elizabeth had become accustomed to dangling potential marriage alliances with various suitors to help facilitate alliances with other countries in Europe, so too will the possibility of naming Mary as her heir be dangled when it suited her own agenda. She's smart. Yeah, she's very smart. That's why I love her. (laughs) Example. She did it right. When Mary was shopping around for a husband... Elizabeth was wary of Mary. <laughs> Mary. The name Mary. Oh. I can't. Oh, there's going to be so much of this. Mary, um, Mary, Harry, and then it went weird. <laughs> and then it was scary. <laughs> anyway, um, oh, Elizabeth was wary that Mary would make a match <laughs> with a strong Catholic suitor uh, like Don Carlos. Yeah. Um, so in order to neutralize that possibility and threat, Elizabeth encouraged Mary to marry an English lord. She's like, hook up with an English guy because I'm not saying Mary because your name is Mary. (laughs) So Elizabeth's suggestion had been Robert Dudley, the Earl of Leicester. This was a very loaded marriage proposal because Robert Dudley might very well have been the love of Elizabeth's life. (gasps) Whoa. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So they had grown up as childhood friends and both historians and historical fiction romance writers love to speculate as to the possibility of a sexual component to their relationship. And it is very... Yes, because men and women can't just be friends. I've grown up with them. No, it is very much understood he was likely the love of her life. Okay. She just couldn't marry him for reasons we'll get into in another episode (laughs) about Elizabeth. Fuck yeah, I can't wait for those. (laughs) I know. I'm just, they're going to be like Catherine de Medici. They're going to be very long. (laughs) So that's why I'm like, I want to do them, but I'm intimidated. Yeah. You'll do them justice, don't worry. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) There were a couple of issues at play. Dudley had been recently widowed under very suspicious circumstances. Oh, no. And Dudley's detractors at the time suggested he had his wife murdered so that he could marry Elizabeth himself. And the scandal that followed was used by Elizabeth's own nobles to prevent her from marrying him. What the fuck, you assholes? Like, calm down. Well. Oh, no. It, it's a very sketch situation. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> that we'll cover. Oh, God. A different episode. This is when, this is this is my argument every time for just let them marry who they want to Thank you, marry. right? Yeah. <laughs> because then people live. They survive. For Mary's part, she likely would have been reluctant to marry Dudley because he was a Protestant. Never mind the scandal already attached to him, and never mind the fact that it was an open secret that he was Elizabeth's favorite. Yeah. 
And for Elizabeth's part, marrying Dudley off to Mary served to neutralize the threat of foreign powers aligning themselves with Scotland and smooth the enmity between Scotland and England. She even suggested that Mary could come to live at court in England with Dudley should the two marry. Why? So you can fuck him behind closed doors? Yeah. No, thank you. I will pass on that with that a is, no. That's the speculation. Yeah. Yep. Can I just come live with you and your mistress? God. <laughs> and to sweeten the pot, she even promised to name Mary as her heir if she agreed to the marriage. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> In the end, negotiations fell through thanks in large part to Robert Dudley's vehement refusal. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mary's like, okay, I don't want you to <laughs> calm the hell down. She's like, I'm just as pretty as Elizabeth, if not more. Just ask everybody. Look at me on the fucking Amazon. <laughs> now, Mary allegedly had a very fervent suitor that had been besotted with her named Pierre de Boscosel de Chastelard. He has two days in his name? Mm -hmm. Fuck off. (laughs) So initially, having traveled with her from the French court to Scotland, he was a French poet that became completely obsessed with her. Yeah, that's problematic. It's a very, it's very problematic. In one recorded incident, he snuck into her bedchamber and hid under her bed, intending to surprise her when she came into her room. That's not a surprise, you asshole. He wanted to declare his love for no, her. No, that's fucking creepy. He's a nice guy. A little bit rapey. He's a nice guy. No, you're not. You <laughs> broke into a woman's room and hit on her bed. That is definitely definition not nice guy. <laughs> so Mary's attendants ended up discovering him and then reported him. What the fuck do you do? You're like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, when she learned of what he'd done, Mary had him banished from Scotland. Good boy. But Pierre ignored the restraining order slash banishment. Sir, you can't do that. And came back just two days. I think it was days later. Oh, might have been weeks. But yeah, like within a very short amount of time. And he burst in on her as she was in the process of disrobing. Did I not banish you once before? (laughs) So Mary's half-brother, the Earl of Moray, came to her rescue upon hearing her screams and had Pierre restrained. And a couple of days later, Pierre... Just accidentally stabbed him. Pierre was tried for treason and beheaded. That'll work. So depending on the source, there are two versions of this story, with some people suggesting that Mary had encouraged oh, fuck off. Pierre's infatuation. Was it John whispering in people's ear? More than likely, yeah. Look, little dick John. <laughs> <laughs> little John, but little dick John. Little dick John. <laughs> Witnesses to the event suggest that Mary was quite terrified, though. And the second time he burst into her room, she even demanded that her brother have him killed right then and there on the spot. Yeah, yeah I would have done it myself. Um, so it's nice to see that things never change and creepy men still be creepy. Yeah, and they still get away with being, well, he didn't. He got his head he... chopped off. So that was a happy ending to Yay! that story. Yay! Happy ending. Let's just send it here. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Episode over. <laughs> God, can you imagine? Like, not once, but twice. Yeah, it's scary. I would have been like, terrifying. yeah, this hairpin is going to come flying at your school. Okay. Can you imagine a dude popping out from under your bed? He's like, I want to declare my love for you. Yeah, he wouldn't survive that encounter. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, like, ugh. It would only happen once for me because then I would have to deal with bodies. For legal reasons, I'm kidding. She's, she's totally, totally kidding. kidding. I never, I would totally call her and be like, look, I found him like I that. I would never help her bury a no, no, body. No, 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 never, no. Of course. <clears throat> Never use you as an alibi. It's so upsetting. Never. <laughs> this is recording. <laughs> no, I don't know anything about cats. I have no idea. <laughs> oh shit. This is 
is a joke. This is all <laughs> a joke. It is entertainment, not reality. Now, eventually, over time, a more solid marriage prospect of a sort uh-huh. finally emerged that managed to catch Mary's eye. Um, and some say he had even been suggested by Robert Dudley himself as an alternative. He's like, look, you don't want me, but take this fucker. So his name was Henry Stewart, Lord Darnley. What? Does that last name, like, give a red flag? Yeah, well, Stewart, yeah. Because Mary Stewart? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, like, why does he have... Why is he Henry Stewart and then Lord Darnley? His name is Henry Stewart, but he's Lord Darnley because he's also a lord. It's like how James Stewart is the Earl of Moray. Okay. So Lord Darnley, as we'll refer to him, had been the grandson of Margaret Tudor, sister to Henry VIII and wife to King James IV of Scotland. This made Darnley Mary's first cousin. That's what they came up with? Like, that's what they put forward as their best foot forward? Yeah. In addition to having a claim to the Scottish throne, Darnley was also the great-grandson of Henry VII of England through his grandmother, Margaret Tudor. So, just like Mary, he has a claim albeit a weaker one, to both the Scottish and English thrones. So he is an English lord who also has a claim to the English and Scottish throne. So Mary chose him on purpose so she could have a better claim to the English throne. She definitely didn't choose him for his looks (laughs) if this picture has anything to say about it. Speaking of that, a little bit on Darnley. Much has been made about Darnley over the centuries. We know with absolute certainty that he was ambitious and vain, something not altogether out of the ordinary for any powerful lord of the era, but apparently he has these qualities in excess. He took it to the extreme. On top of that, he was known for being especially handsome. No, he's (laughs) not. He's this, like, blonde, doe-eyed English boy. Ew. Um, and he's also known for being especially licentious. I'm sorry, define that word for I will. me. <laughs> I, I was like, I wanted to introduce a new word to the world. So at the age of 19, when the match was proposed to Mary, he already has a reputation for being a bit of a sexual deviant. Some of this will sound familiar to us. He wore flamboyant clothing and was said to potentially flirt with both men and women. Oh my God, everyone freak out. <laughs> God, I would die in this time miserably. <laughs> so contemporaries of the time would have used that to accuse him of sexual deviance to vilify him. And with Darnley, there were plenty of reasons to vilify him that we'll get into that had absolutely nothing to do with his sexuality. Okay, now I kind of love him because he sounds great. But it's it's something to keep in the back of our minds. So we do know that he was kind of a party boy, very sexually active, and like even so by the is age of every other man, even by the age of like nineteen or twenty, he's showing signs of syphilis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's problematic. You're not gonna like Darnley. Fine, but... I will go back to my original. <laughs> so the first time Darnley and Mary had met one another was right after Francis had died, and Mary was still observing her mourning period in France. Darnley's parents sent him to meet with Mary to show their respects for her loss, but also with the hope that it might plant the seed of putting him forth as a marriage prospect. I was going to say, was that the only reason they sent their handsome, (laughs) sexual, deviant boy? It had nothing to do with their, like, 
fucking be friends with her. His parents, his mother, her. especially were very ambitious and they had their eye on the uh, English firm. So yeah, they, they were like, oh, this is perfect for us. And they're like, hey, son, <laughs> use it. <laughs> it didn't work initially. And it was only thanks to the intervention of Queen Elizabeth's advisors that the marriage proposal was even put forth to marry. So Darnley was an English lord, which would serve to satisfy England's desire to see the question of Mary's future husband situation settled with one of their own. So did that not piss off the people who didn't want Mary to have any more claim to the English throne? Well, cool. Working in Mary's favor was the fact that Darnley had his own claim to the English throne. So if the two were to marry, any children they produced together would have an even stronger claim to the English throne. We're 100% claiming that With their two claims combined. But predictably, it was that same fact that made Elizabeth nervous about the match. But the thing that would count against Mary in the end was the fact that Darnley had also been Catholic. So although this union satisfied English sensibilities and her idea of like... Scotland's like, the fucking fuck. That is, (laughs) that's the crux of our story. Every decision Mary makes going forward is kind of about the English throne and she's kind of... Girl, you have Forgetting. a throne. She already has you a have throne. have a throne and they already <laughs> don't like you. Maybe turn around and like schmooze them a little bit. I don't know. Marry a fucking Scottish Protestant. I don't know. <laughs> and yeah, uh, as you would guess, <sighs> the Protestant nobles of Scotland were not happy. They're like this bitch. <laughs> we, should, we should go talk to John. Small dick John. Little dick John. <laughs> so from the onset of meeting officially a second time, Mary seemed to be besotted with Darnley, and in a fun reversal that we're used to seeing, her own advisors at the time claimed that it was Darnley who bewitched Mary. All right. It was apparently this whirlwind romance that just took off, like, immediately. She was just... So she had something good in her life. Enthralled. Well, damn it. I forgot that we're in this podcast. (laughs) (sighs) But in the end... She Mary, had five minutes of awesome. She maybe had five minutes. In the end, she would end up taking Lord Darnley for her second husband and king consort on July 29th, 1565. Um, they got married within five months of beginning this courtship. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe wait more than five months before you get I mean, married. we marry children, so what's five months? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Now, Mary had been a relatively successful monarch in Scotland up to this point. Has she been? She she has. Okay. So upon first arriving in Scotland, Mary had taken the time to travel around her country. She met with her respective lords and ladies. And she did the thing Catherine was good at. Okay. She, she smoothed them. She, yes. She <laughs> did that, but she got her face in front of the commoners. The commoners loved her. They loved their queen. Yes. She knew, Where you gotta go. again, she could get a face-to-face with you. She would charm the pants off. Yeah, of yeah. You. Um, so I just realized that the mic is not plugged in. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. <laughs> this will be a fun episode. <laughs> All right, yeah. let's try it. Fuck it. <laughs> <sighs> so our recording disappeared. We're trying something out. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see if it works. So up to this point, you know, as we mentioned, 
Mary has managed to delicately navigate the tricky religious situation in her own country and was even gaining a little bit of traction with Elizabeth in England and having herself named as Elizabeth's successor. But this marriage to Lord Darnley would end up being her first major mistake. Damn it. <laughs> I have to wait for Izzy. Who's... Izzy is eating. <laughs> Listen, okay. Cat's Love. gotta eat. Baby's gotta eat on Wednesday. Baby's gotta eat on Wednesday. <laughs> that was a thing way back in my Albertsons days. One of my coworkers. Um, the situation was basically somebody was coming in to get baby formula, and I think we were out. Oh no! Yeah, like she needed baby formula. Oh no! And they, we, she was like, "Well, when are you getting baby formula in?" And I was like, "We should be getting some in tomorrow, which was yeah. Thursday." And she's like. My baby E needs to eat today. <laughs> well, maybe don't wait till the last goddamn second. And my coworker had said something like, baby's got to eat on Wednesday. <laughs> so it just ended up being a thing. That's perfect. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Oh, baby's got to eat on Wednesday, you know? Baby's got to eat on Wednesday. <laughs> so a couple of things made this match kind of stupid. <laughs> oh, no. One, they were cousins. That's. Yeah. All implications aside of potential inbreeding and the wonderful consequences of that. Again, see Don Carlos. Mary Mary and Tarnley failed to get papal dispensation from the Pope to approve a marriage of such close blood relations. Um, And if Mary wants the Pope's support for taking... Yeah, your eyes are dead set on the English fucking throne. Missed out there. Number two. I just... I'm still stuck on cousins. You have a fucking ocean of fish. And you chose that one. I mean, everybody is kind of related in Europe. That's You you need papal dispensation I mean, for you, almost every marriage. Yes. It's ridiculous. But yeah, do you need to marry your first cousin? Do, Probably must not. you marry your first cousin, though? <laughs> that is the question we all have on our minds. Two, they had married without Queen Elizabeth's consent. Yeah, that's problematic. So, um... Because it was her... <laughs> We were all over those guys. It was her advisors that pushed for that it. Pushed for it, but they didn't get it approved. And Elizabeth didn't like the marriage because their combined claim was very dangerous for her. Yeah. Three, the Scottish nobility, being predominantly Protestant, was not particularly happy with the match. Mary's half brother, the Earl of Moray, had up to this point been cooperative and one of her chief supporters. I'm so upset by this because I, I liked him until then. <laughs> well, they don't know that. <laughs> you love him right now. What are you talking about? He was one of the few Protestant lords to support Mary's own desire to maintain her personal faith of Catholicism. Oh, yeah, they haven't heard this yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, in one of the stories, Mary was taking mass at church when a group of rebels. Again, likely instigated by John Knox. Little thick John. (laughs) Attempted to have her physically removed. Moray was said to have physically blocked their entry and even pulled a sword with the intent of cutting anyone down that intended to disturb the queen when she was in the chapel. Oh, I really like him. And like I said before, in the last recording. (laughs) (laughs) That's lost to history. I really (laughs) want a movie where it's just about the two of them. I, yeah, I, he seems very interesting. So things do change. Um, again, Mary chose to marry a Catholic. It would have made more sense to marry a Protestant if she's trying to maintain 
civility and the status quo in Scotland. Yeah, why would you marry a fucking Catholic? Because she set her eyes they on the They barely English let you be Catholic. <laughs> like, come on, just marry a Protestant Scottishman. Scottishman? Scottishman. Scottishman. <laughs> oh, God. Do you think her brother turned on her because he was upset that he she didn't talk to him first? I think it really came down to them being afraid that the monarchy having a king and a queen that was Catholic, they were going to overturn. King consort. Sorry, yes, king consort. <laughs> yeah, I think... Bitch ain't a queen. I, I think it, it really... <laughs> it really seemed like Mary went about this marriage without consulting her advisors. Yeah, did you talk to anyone? No. Except for your heart? <laughs> we can't trust our hearts. <laughs> no. What is Especially this Especially when you're royalty. It's not allowed. Thor just sighed heavily. He can curse. So not only had Mary married Darnley without anyone's permission. There's that sentence. I know. But she also had Darnley declared the King of Scots the next day without running it by her parliament. When she made the announcement, she was met with a very awkward silence. They're all like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) You didn't go over this with us. Excuse me. This was not on the agenda. This was definitely (laughs) not on today's agenda. It was coffee, mimosas, and then court politics. (laughs) Concerned that a marriage to a Catholic consort heralded an intention to overturn the Reformation and restore Catholicism to Scotland. I mean, I understand that fear. Mary's half-brother officially broke from his sister and turned to the lords of congregation. (laughs) These bitches. (laughs) Citing bad governance and a desire to maintain the true Protestant religion of Scotland, the Earl of Moray incited a new rebellion against his sister. Moray's rebel forces ended up enlisting some financial aid from England, but Moray would find in time that he was not able to recruit nearly as many soldiers as he initially thought he'd be able to get. Not only did the commons love Mary, but several Protestant lords decided to stick with her and support her against her half-brother. Interesting. When all was said and done, the rebellion would end up being kind of (laughs) anticlimactic. Mary and Darnley managed to put together a considerably sized army and even led the army themselves, intending to chase down Maury and his men. They end up chasing each other around and hearing each other out in the field several times without ever actually engaging one another in a battle. It's like sibling rivalry on a better mm-hmm. scale. Yes. She's like, get the fuck back here. We're going to talk about this. And he's like, no, fuck you. We're going to talk this through. We're going to talk about our feelings. Like, fuck your feelings. <laughs> Um, this rebellion is literally known as the chase about raid because of the lack of any direct combat on the field. How do you? Ha- I just, just like you get back here, get the you will fuck fight back my here. Husband. He's like, fuck your shit. <laughs> that was loud. Sorry, I'm always loud. You can't. You can't. At one point, Moray's forces do end up marching on Edinburgh Castle, but he only managed to scrounge up a measly force of approximately 1,200 men, and they failed to take it. Did he know how many people were going to, like, show up, or was this, like, a weird, like... I think he really expected... Casting call, and he's like, that's it? That's he, it? he expected more people to turn on Mary, but they didn't. But, like, maybe get those numbers before you march on the <laughs> castle? I don't know. <laughs> eh, that's that's an- you Maybe know, have those numbers before. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Like yeah. it's just if you uh, if you meet at the congregation and you're like, ooh, that's not a lot. In the end, Mary's forces crushed the rebellion. Mary <laughs> officially declared her half brother an outlaw at that point, and Maury made a mad dash for the English border at Carly, Car Carlisle Carlisle. Sure, castle. 
as his forces dodge cannon fire. Oh, no. Moray had intended to gain support from Queen Elizabeth in London, but before he arrived at her court, he received a letter from her that informed him he was not invited. How terrible that be? You're like, I'm running to safety. You get a letter. Um, and by the That's time like breakup text, uh, yeah. By the time he does get called before Queen Elizabeth, she basically chastises him for rebelling against his rightful queen, yeah. and his response was. I wasn't going to hurt Mary. I was going to hurt her husband. Douchebag over here. (laughs) With the weird pants. Y'all will understand what that means. Why don't we post a picture? These pants are outrageous. As it turned out, it seems as though Maury and his supporters had every reason to mistrust Lord Darnley. The marriage between Mary and Darnley deteriorated just as quickly as it had begun. That's probably Darnley proved to be incredibly arrogant and was not content to just be king consort. But could you not have seen that coming? He wanted to be a king in his own right and demanded from Mary that he be granted the right of crown matrimonial. Under the law of the Scots, this grants a monarch the right to co-reign equally with their spouse. This would have given Darnley the right to inherit the Scottish throne himself if the two did not have children and he managed to outlive Mary. That is problematic in and of itself. Like, <laughs> hey, babe, if, so, so here's what happens. If this, if you say this is a thing and then I accidentally outlive you because you accidentally <laughs> died of poisoning. I mean, if you were to die before me. <laughs> I would be king. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be exciting? She's like, Wouldn't no, you're king. so great. Consort, you little shit. <laughs> uh, There's so many red flags. Predictably, she refused. Good for her. Not long after, their marriage grew incredibly strained, and Mary began to see why it was that her nobles had hated him so much. Not only was he arrogant and incredibly vain with his delusions of grandeur, but he was also a drunk with a mean streak and prone to violence. It's so problematic on every level and in every mm-hmm. time. What could possibly go wrong? Not yeah. much. Maybe I'm <laughs> flying, in case you're wondering why I'm flailing around behind you. Now, Mary... Mary may have considered having this marriage dissolved, but there was a problem now. What was the problem, Kat? I already know because we've already done this, but I'm going to say it again. Pregnancy. Yes. She got fucking pregnant. Damn it. What do you, why do you say it like that? What's, because, what's the problem here? She, it's, it's her duty as a queen to produce an heir. She's not got an heir. Not a piece of shit. Why? <laughs> uh, he just, he's. You know, you dissolve the marriage too. anyway. Like, he's legitimate, but this fucker needs to go. No. You can't, can't do that. That's not a thing. I mean, look at what, you know, that's what Henry VIII did it. And then it didn't work out. Did it not? Look at Elizabeth. She's, they call the bastard her whole she life. She's still queen, though. Barely. <laughs> not barely, but, like, it wasn't easy. Yeah, but she's still fucking sitting on that throne. <laughs> so it can be done. You just set your child up for failure. <sighs> Yeah, this this should have been a cause for celebration for Mary, but because of all the reasons we just listed, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> well, the the pregnancy was, but you know, having this dude for asshole. a father, yeah, isn't great. <laughs> um, anyway, so it turns out Darnley is the jealous sort, and in time, another man close to Mary became the subject of his ire. And Can this anyone is, say that they're surprised that he's a jealous little shit? Not at all. Great. This is where our story starts to get a little dicey. So by this point in time, Mary had elevated a man by the name of David Rizzio to the position of her personal secretary. His first name is David? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Why is everyone named James if there's David? Because he's Italian. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Rizzio had been an ambitious Italian courtier that bounced around from one European court to another. Oh, yeah. I didn't trust him at first because of his jumping around. Yeah, he kept trying to, like, get his foot in the door, but all the courts were like, nah. You're like, can you please go? (laughs) Until he got to the Scottish court. So... He ends up making his way to Mary's court, where his talents as a musician and a singer were noticed by the young queen, who was known for her love of music. She ended up bestowing her patronage upon him, and Rizzio grew wealthy because of it in turn. And the two soon became fast friends, and in time she made him her personal secretary when it came to corresponding with France. So what you're telling me is that even queens fall to the lure of... um... Musicians. Yes. Rock stars. Yes. As it were. <laughs> yeah, especially during this time. This yeah, yeah. is like the height. I'd be into the poets and the, and the musicians. This is where all sure. the bards come Yeah, in I'd be like, like, hi, you can sing and write? Come together. <laughs> they, they sing you out of your clothes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Calm down. <laughs> Over time, Rizzio grew presumptuous himself, though, driven they by his own ambitions. Sorry. And he began to control who had access to the queen. This made many of the other courtiers in Mary's court jealous, and most notable was the fact that he was also a foreigner and a Catholic. Dun, dun, dun. Because, again, xenophobia and yeah, bigotry. Yeah, real. <laughs> Over time, but rumors... But you can't be xenophobic and bigot- bigoted to us, towards us. It's different. Just everybody else. Just everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Over time, rumors began to circulate that Mary and Rizzio had become lovers. The timing was not great because Mary is now pregnant and several people were whispering in Lord Darnley's Uh-oh. ear that Mary's unborn child was Rizzio's and not his. You could literally whisper any bullshit into his ear and he would believe it. Oh, he's absolutely. not a very confident person. We do know. I just imagine Rizzio being a fucking shit ton hotter than him too. That's how I picture him. Well, he's Italian. Yeah. And he's a singer and a poet. Yeah, and Lord Darnley is just this asshole. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We do know that Mary favored Rizzio greatly. Not only did her patronage elevate his position within her court, but she also gave him expensive gifts, some of which included expensive fabrics from her own personal wardrobe. Hey, now. So what is a little... It's so he can smell her on the (laughs) (laughs) And compose his... Yeah, poetry to her. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's because she's his muse. Compose a fucking ballad at me, all you want. <laughs> In time, Lord Darnley's attitude towards Mary turned dark, and he entered into a conspiracy. Turned with... dark? Turned darker? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> okay. And he enters into a conspiracy with some of the Protestant nobles that had rebelled against Mary during the Chase Around raid and <laughs> plotted to have David Rizzio murdered. Yeah. So on March 9th... Stop being a little jealous bitch and get your shit together and work on yourself before you start murdering your fucking quote-unquote competition. Goddamn. On March 9th, 1566, <laughs> at approximately 8 p.m., Darnley and his men entered the palace of Hollywood House, which is... Hollywood, not Hollywood. <laughs> which is the official royal palace of Edinburgh, um, where Mary was staying and had his men overpower the royal guards in the palace and take it over. Sound great. Mary was having dinner with Rizzio and the Lady Argyle when Darnley and his men burst in and demanded that Mary hand Rizzio over to them. What? Mary refused and attempted to use her own body to shield Rizzio and keep him from being taken. That is problematic. Um, so trigger warning now for the next minute or so. It's going to get dark. If you don't want to hear this, just skip forward again, just about a minute. 
So a violent scuffle broke out, and according to Mary's own testimony, one of the intruders pointed his pistol at her pregnant belly to keep her restrained, while another one threatened to stab her. And then Rizzio was taken and stabbed 57 times in front of the six-month pregnant Mary. I'm, like, mourning Rizzio right now. We didn't get to know him very long, but I'm mourning him. Imagine the trauma of seeing, like, one of your really good friends murdered in front of you, Yeah, because your husband's a jealous asshole. Afterwards, Rizzio's body was tossed down a nearby stairwell, and his body was stripped of its expensive clothing and jewelry. And apparently to this day, you can still see a red stain on the floorboards of the audience chamber at the Palace of Hollywood House where he had bled out. Absolutely terrible. Isn't it? Yeah. Fuck Darnley. Creepy. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck Darnley. Not actually, but like. No, no, no. Not in a fun way at all. (laughs) Like, you know, this is going to be painful for you, bro. Now the actions Mary took next have perplexed historians ever since. Immediately following the murder... Mary found Darnley and told him that the two of them were in danger from rebels within the palace and convinced him to flee the castle with her on horseback. They ended up leaving the castle around midnight and absconded into the night with a couple of their servants. When the two returned to Edinburgh, Mary had Lord Darnley declared innocent of the murder, but she notably did not return to the royal palace with her husband and instead took up separate lodgings within the city. Can you imagine how difficult it would be? to absolve that asshole yeah like okay i'm gonna do this but only for myself well that's exactly the reason she probably did it so mary's actions following the murder of rizzio again have perplexed historians for centuries but we have to remember she was six months pregnant and the paternity of the child was already a subject of rumor Most people assume she decided to publicly absolve Darnley of the murder so that the legitimacy of her unborn child would not come under suspicion. And we're under the assumption that she knew that Darnley had a strong hand in it. Yes. Yeah. I can't. Having to face your husband after that. Loathing you must feel. Oh my God. That's terrible. I would, yeah. Again, this is why I don't, I would so die in this this day and age because I would just kill him. (laughs) For legal reasons. For legal reasons, I say this day and age because back then. I would never do that now. (laughs) In the months that followed, Mary set about reorganizing her privy council and trying to set the country and her life to straits again. Her brother, the Earl of Moray, was invited back to Scotland and restored to favor. She also welcomed two other rebel leaders back to her council, but this time made sure that the council had a more even number of Protestant and Catholic nobles present. How long did it take you that long to figure that one out? Right? (laughs) (laughs) On June 19, 1566, Mary gave birth to a healthy baby boy named... I know you already told me, but I've forgotten it. David? No. There's only one name in Scotland. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I really wanted it to not be James. I tried really hard. <laughs> this um, is the future King James VI of Scotland and James I of England. Well, Mary's James. 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 <laughs> Mary's efforts to restore her council and put on the face of a united front might have suggested that everything was getting back to normal again. But her marriage to Darnley had pretty much completely deteriorated at this point. <laughs> wasn't great to begin with. Yeah, but it's like... It's like real bad now. (laughs) In November of 1566, Mary met with her leading nobles at Cragmiller Castle to discuss what they dubbed the problem of Darnley. (laughs) 
It's been suggested that the Lord's present pledged to remove Darnley via other means. <laughs> and Mary had advised oh, no. her Lord's present not to do anything that would impugn her honor. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> One of the conspirators was alleged to have confessed the following. It was thought expedient and most profitable for the commonwealth that such a young fool and proud tyrant should not reign or bear rule over them, that he should be put off by one way or another, and whoever should take the deed in hand to do it, they should defend. Hell yeah, because honestly, this guy killed someone out of jealousy. And the people who did it threatened to stab his pregnant wife or shoot her. Both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Like, fuck you. You, no. <laughs> When Darnley caught whiff of the conspiracy um, or simply endured many an awkward dinner where people likely glared daggers at him across Seriously, their his wife is like, <laughs> plates of board, like, <laughs> he fled to his father's estates, fearing for his safety. Darnley stuck around long enough to attend the baptism of his son and then immediately left for Glasgow around Christmas time. He's like, are we done? Did you drive him? Great, let's go. <laughs> and when he put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently at the start of his journey, he also became very sick. Some have suggested that he had everything from smallpox to syphilis and also that he might have been poisoned. I'm going to go with poison. She was probably like, babe, you want a fucking drink? (laughs) She's like, yeah, my um, ex-mother-in-law, Catherine de' Medici, she dropped off some of her- Look, these gloves are nice, aren't they? Try them on. famous gloves and her potions. (laughs) They're ladies' gloves. Try them on, asshole. (laughs) By late January, though, Mary had convinced Darnley to return to Edinburgh, possibly to reconcile their marriage, or possibly not. To keep so. giving him that poison, babe, drink. <laughs> While Darnley was recovering from his illness, he stayed at the Abbey of Kirkafield, just within the city walls of Edinburgh. And Mary, ever the dutiful wife, was said to have visited him daily. Um, yeah, with that fucking poison. <laughs> and things, for a while, they seemed to be going well. But then, in the early wee hours of February 10th, 1567... The wee hours! Couldn't get more Scottish if you tried. An explosion occurred at Kirkafield, where Darnley had been staying. The explosion had been set off by gunpowder within the compound and was so violent that it demolished the walls of the lodgings and even destroyed portions of the foundation. It was an accident. It was not an accident. (laughs) Here is where things get weird. Lord Darnley was found in the garden outside the lodgings. He was dead, but his body was completely untouched by the explosion, and he appeared to have died from suffocation. (laughs) There were no visible marks on his body either, no evidence that he had been thrown from the building from the explosion. Interesting. Um, But he was said to have been found with a serviette in his mouth, which is a napkin. Sorry. I love that they didn't even try to hide it. Like, you could do all of this and then, like, pull the they napkin. They really... Pull the napkin out of his mouth and, like, beat him up a little bit and throw him back he, in because we don't know if the bruises are post-mortem or before they died. Really, like, yeah. Just, like, they wanted people to know, like, don't do this to the queen and this won't happen. Again. Yeah. They, it was <laughs> not great. So, like, like, they're like, should we do the explosion? He's in the garden. Yeah, do the explosion. Why not? <laughs> Uh, so, um, the troublesome Lord Darnley is officially dead. 
No one is mourning your last bro. He is 21 years old. Okay, I'm a little sad for that, but... <laughs> Rachel, you can't just like set me up for failure. <laughs> In the days following Darnley's death, an investigation produced three witnesses that claimed to see anywhere from 11 to 13 men enter the grounds of Kirkafield before the explosion went off. Am I a horrible person? Because when you say investigation, I just giggle. Because investigation on that end of the timeline versus investigation statistics are so different. <laughs> But are they? Did you see anything? No. Great. We don't care. (laughs) Two days later, after the explosion, Mary's Privy Council declared that the first person to provide the names of the conspirators would be pardoned, even if they were involved themselves. Oh, shit. Mary was informed the morning after the explosion that her husband was dead when a servant came into her bedchamber and replaced her curtains with black curtains for mourning. That's how she found out? Like, they didn't, they weren't like, officially. They're just like, look at these black curtains. And Officially. The fuck I mean, yeah, she knew. <laughs> Officially. That's yeah, yeah. how she found yeah. out. She's like, oh, look, a day of celebration. The maid's like, no, 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 it's morning. She's like, yeah, no, celebration. Now, two people were suspected to be the head of the plot to murder Lord Darnley. I'm sorry, so we're like throwing people under the bus? We're not just being like, oh, no, he died. No, there, there were two very clear, obvious suspects. And One was named James Hepburn, the Earl of Bothwell. And the other was Queen Mary herself. So Mary's like, I'm queen. I didn't do it. <laughs> time to backtrack a little bit. Oh, no. Because okay. you may be wondering. You're going to introduce me to the Lord of whatever the fuck? Who is the Earl of Bothwell? Earl, close enough. Yeah. Bothwell? This is another of Bothwell. The major men in Mary's life. So. Oh. Interesting how you should introduce him this way. But go ahead. Yes. So James <laughs> Hepburn, the fourth Earl of Bothwell was the Lord High Admiral of Scotland. He held one of the highest positions of power in Scotland and had commanded the Queen's ships and sailors and oversaw the inspection of seaports and harbors. Bothwell had supported Mary's mother, Mary of Guise, during her regency. But like most of the men of this era, he had a reputation for being fickle with both the women in his life and his own allegiances politically. Cool, cool, cool. Now, Bothwell and Mary initially met back in France when she was married to Francis. He observed that Mary had been very kind and generous to him then, saying of the meeting that the queen recompensed me more liberally and honorably than I had deserved. So here starts his love story with the queen. (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) When Mary left France for Scotland, Bothwell helped arrange the journey. Um, Because again, he's the Lord High Admiral. It's literally... His shit's job that are yeah, yeah. that are carrying him over. <laughs> now, once Mary was in Scotland, the two formed something of a close professional relationship. You can't do that; he'll kill you. <laughs> but Bothwell's quarrelsome personality with the Protestant lords of Mary's court lent him to being considered a bit of a nuisance. He's Protestant himself, but he'd already gotten kind of a bad reputation for supporting her mother, Mary of mm, Guise. Yeah, so he doesn't get along. With the lords at court, that's why he's he hasn't been at court. This would be me yeah, in this day and age. possibly. <laughs> Everyone's like, we like her, but we don't. It's weird. <laughs> Mary and Bothwell were said to have grown close enough that she attended his wedding to Lady Jean Gordon. Ooh. The story gets a little muddy after this point, though, and it's hard to tell what is truth and what is exaggerated speculation. Well, if it's written by a misogynistic man who romanticizes it, it's probably wrong. In the months leading up to Darnley's death. 
Mary was staying in one of her estates on the Scottish borders and visited Bothwell several times when he was at Hermitage Castle. The journey was said to take four hours each way. She would, like, go there each day. Alwa, that's eight. That's a full work day of yeah. traveling. Yes. Sounds terrible. No one's worth my time. <laughs> Mary's enemies would later say that her journey was prompted by news that Bothwell was sick from wounds sustained during a skirmish with raiders along the Scottish borders. Uh-oh. In one version of the story, we hear tale of Mary getting the news and making a mad dash on horseback to get to Bothwell's side because she was so worried and concerned for his health. Others would say that Mary had already intended to meet with Bothwell to discuss matters of state before she had ever learned that he was sick. Because again, this is what Mary did. She traveled to her lords all around the country. I bet you it was like a weird combination of both where she was already planning to travel there slowly. And then (laughs) she found out he was sick and she was like, man, dash it, bitches. (laughs) Bothwell was implicated as the chief conspirator almost immediately following the death of Lord Darnley. Who has it out for him that they would? Bothwell? Yeah. Why why is he implicated? Um, I think it's because he was very... I think I'm literally about to say it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. He was very outspoken about how much he despised Darnley. Who the fuck didn't? Because Bothwell, A, he's a Scottish lord. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is an English lord, so he's a pansy. That was literally a pansy or a patsy? Pansy. Okay. He's but he just... was, that was literally every Scottish lord. <laughs> But he's also like this guy is too ambitious. He's dangerous. Yeah, he's the okay. one that will actually say it out loud while the other lords will like whisper, whisper, whisper in Mary's ear when he's not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's the one that's very outspoken. Like he does not like Darnley. He's never liked Darnley. He did not. He was not happy about the marriage match when it happened. No one was except for Mary. Now, Darnley's father, the Earl of Lennox, demanded that Bothwell be brought before the Estates of Parliament to stand trial for his son's murder. Mary agreed to the trial, but denied Lennox's request to have the trial delayed so that he could gather the evidence needed to convict Bothwell. (laughs) So Bothwell showed up for the trial on April 12, 1567, and it lasted only seven hours, and he was acquitted because no evidence could be provided. (laughs) She's like, you need how much time to do Get your, yeah, let's do it in seven hours. <laughs> You're like, no, we'll do it now. Yeah. Present your now case. Now's great. Now's a good time. Oh, you me. don't have a case? He's acquitted. And that's not exactly a good legal procedure. <laughs> Welcome to today's legal proceedings. <laughs> um, so this is where the story goes completely off the rails. Oh, now it's going off the rails? <laughs> Less than two weeks after the trial, Mary is abducted by Bothwell and taken to Dunbar Castle. What? Whether or not Mary was a willing participant or not has been a popular subject of debate among historians for centuries. She's like, oh no, I'm being kidnapped. (laughs) Sorry. According to Mary's own testimony, and this is iffy, um, she may have actually been raped by him. Oh no. We don't know for sure. I liked it for five seconds. On May 3rd, Bothwell divorced his wife. Jean Gordon, and then on May 15th, no. Mary shocked Scotland and the rest of the known world no, no, don't you dare. by marrying Bothwell herself. I have so many questions that I don't want to ask. Um, oh, no. So, okay. We're going to go more into the whole Mary and Bothwell thing. Mm-hmm. 
and whether or not it was depending on depending on whichever movie or source you go to it's either this epic romance or he's just another piece of shit that was ambitious himself honestly there's enough pieces of shit as evidence to for me to say that he is a piece of shit yeah ew Noah. yeah god it gets very sketch from here so again we're already having issues but okay we'll go more into bothwell and mary in the next episode but in the meantime wait 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 this is another episode we have to ask ourselves a question was mary complicit in the murder of darnley here's the the evidence for and against so by the time Mary had given birth to James, her disdain for Lord Darnley had grown so great that she did not bother to hide it. One of the stories has her saying before the whole of her court that she felt sorry for her infant son because of who his father happened to be. Insane, girl. <laughs> After Darnley conspired to have David Rizzio killed, he turned on the conspirators at the last minute when he fled with Mary. The conspirators had been in hiding initially, but Mary absolved them of the crime later and even invited them to return to Scotland. What? Mary was directly responsible for convincing Darnley to come back to Edinburgh. Some suggested she did this to keep an eye on him, knowing how volatile and untrustworthy he could be. Yeah. Others suggested she was simply luring him to his death. A little bit of both. Can it be both? Here, um, here's where it gets a little weird. Oh, it's already weird, but okay. (laughs) Again, Mary had been present at Craig Miller Castle when her lords openly debated what to do about Darnley as both Protestant and Catholic factions within the court agreed that he was a problem and they needed to get rid of him. It's problematic when both sides, who have been fighting for years, are like, yeah, we agree, actually. Yeah. (laughs) And curiously enough, the day of Darnley's death, Mary was supposed to have had dinner with him, but remembered at the very last moment that she had promised to attend a servant's (sighs) wedding. Oh, no. Queens don't attend servants' weddings. (laughs) (laughs) She did this one. She went to the wedding. That's a great alibi, I yep. would say. Yes, yes. Yep. <laughs> oh when, my god, that's totally awful. You're not even trying to hide it. You're like, I have to go to this um, <clears throat> servant's wedding. It's weird. <laughs> when Queen Elizabeth learned of Darnley's death, um, who was one of her subjects, mind you, she wrote to Mary saying the following. And this is going to be in Old English, so bear with me. Oh, damn it. I need a translation afterwards. (laughs) I should ill fulfill the office of a faithful cousin or an affectionate friend if if I did not tell you what all the world is thinking. Men say that instead of seizing the murderers, you are looking through your fingers while they escape. <laughs> that you will not seek revenge on those who have done you so much pleasure as though the deed would never have taken place had not the doers of it been assured of impunity. For myself, I beg you to believe that I would not harbor such a thought. So Elizabeth is basically saying, girl. Girl, you did it, right? What are you doing? (laughs) You're smarter than this. Right? (laughs) Elizabeth encouraged Mary to pursue justice for Darnley in the letter she wrote her, if nothing more than to save face and salvage her reputation. Elizabeth was usually unemotional and professional in her letters to Mary, this marked the first time the English queen spoke to her in a more emotional and intimate tone. Oh, okay. Although the two women wrote to one another frequently, Mary was silent in the months that followed, and Elizabeth grew alarmed and continued to write to her. Uh-oh. When Mary 
married Bothwell a few months later, Elizabeth was dismayed and likely saw the writing on the wall long before anyone else had. This is what Elizabeth wrote. Oh, no. How could a worse choice be made for your honor than in such haste to marry such a subject, who besides other and notorious lacks, public fame has charged with the murder of your late husband, besides the touching of yourself also in some part, though we trust that behalf falsely. I mean, did you look at the circumstances behind that marriage? It's iffy and shady as fuck. It was the beginning of the end for Mary. Oh, no. And Elizabeth knew it. Oh, shit. If you'd like to hear the conclusion of Mary, Queen of Scots' story. You're going to have to wait. You got to come back for part three. (laughs) Oh, no. Isn't that insane? That's terrible. I have, ugh, I just, this is terrible. This is awful. I hate it. All right. So before we go, I do have a couple of random facts for you all. Now, during the early years of Mary's reign in Scotland, when her advisors were courting the issue of the English succession with Elizabeth, both Mary and Elizabeth ended up engaging in their own little cute courtship of sorts. The two women had never met face to face, and Mary knew her greatest strength was her charismatic personality. In time, the two women began corresponding with one another and even exchanged portraits so that they each could see what the other looked like. Here's my trading card. (laughs) It was the modern day equivalent of sending a selfie to a bestie. Oh my God. (laughs) That's amazing. For a time, this tactic seemed to work. Mary was convinced that if she could just get herself in front of Elizabeth, the two would find common ground in their similar backgrounds. And for a time, it seemed to be working as Mary managed to whittle Elizabeth's resolve down. There were even a couple of very close calls when Elizabeth was ready to name Mary as her heir that were ultimately thwarted thanks to various political events. So in one of the instances, um, it has Elizabeth getting ready to name Mary as her heir when news reached England of the massacre of Massey back in France. Do you remember that? This was the event that sparked the first war of religion in France when Mary's uncle, the Duke of Guise, heard Protestants singing psalms in a church on a Sunday and broke out into a rage and murdered them. Fucking asshole. Naming a Catholic queen and the niece of a Catholic monster as her heir suddenly became politically unfeasible. Uh Isn't that crazy how all of these events are happening parallel to one another? That's insane. Europe is having a hard time. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth came close to naming Mary as her heir again, and then the news broke of Lord Darnley's murder. Elizabeth's like, okay, so, um, no. Yeah, that's a hard no for me, actually. Unfortunately for Mary, the men in Elizabeth's life were were incredibly protective of her and her legacy and fought tooth and nail to keep the two women apart. One of Elizabeth's chief advisors, William Cecil, was the head of a coalition to prevent their ever meeting. Ugh. Cecil will end up being one of Mary's arch nemesis. Cecil or Cecil? It's Cecil. Okay. Um, he'll end up being one of her enemies in the last episode. Oh, no. So, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Even before Mary became aware of William Cecil's existence, she was already on his radar all the way back when she still lived in France. The moment Mary had the English arms added to her own personal coat of arms marked her as an enemy to Cecil, and from that day forth, he would be determined to keep her as far from the English throne as possible and destroy her by any means necessary. 
<sighs> and some of the it's events. It's always a fucking dude. Some of the events <clears throat> that we discussed in this episode, we'll get into it more in the next. They may have been instigated by him. What? Mm-hmm. So. Wow. My sources for today's episode. I had several. So Wikipedia is one. Thank you, Wikipedia, for being awesome. Britannica.com. Also awesome. Life and Death of Mary, Queen of Scots from nms.ac.uk. An article called The Diabolical Death of Henry Lord Darnley by historypress.co.uk. That's a good title. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The Relationship of Elizabeth I and Mary, Queen of Scots in Letters by the Crown Chronicles.uk. .co.uk, and then When Mary Met Darnley, blog.historicenvironment.scot. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right. Well, that was um, upsetting. <laughs> yeah, uh, it just shit. gets worse from here. So. <laughs> so I always, like, knew the story, but I didn't know, know the story. Same. Yeah, yeah. I knew I... the story from the misogynistic, like, oh, women are catty and awful. Yeah. And I knew about Darnley. I knew about Bothwell. I just didn't know the, de- the <clears throat> details. The, <laughs> the details. details. I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's insanity, and I hate it. Like I said, there's all of these politics. Yeah. Well, it's like going on that a... she just didn't know about. Well, she... just like being a woman in this time is so fucking hard and so fucking miserable. And then you add in they are trying to rule a country yeah. with men who cannot fathom the fact that there is a woman above yeah. them. Like, and they'll do whatever it takes, no matter the cost to the country or its people or themselves. Or even. their, yeah, or their yeah, selves, in this insane. case, Mary. But also, you could tell from the moment she decided on Darnley, yeah. she was turning her attention to England. And it's like, you have your own country you have to Scotland. manage. At least, at yeah. least work to solidify your foothold in Scotland before you turn your eyes to a different kingdom. Like, yeah. that way you have the backing of your country, country that you yeah. are ruling currently if to she go had, rule somewhere else. If she had married maybe an English Protestant lord? Or I, just like a Protestant period. Like, it doesn't matter where they're from. If point. you're trying to get the English throne, then yeah, yeah you kind yeah. of have to. Somebody with a claim. Especially when the right. queen... And maybe do a little of research yeah. on your husband. I don't know. Like, <laughs> maybe figure out... This. I maybe just, wait longer than five months. Yeah, I feel like meeting somebody to marry them. Right, wait till the honeymoon phase is over. Like, yeah. and you're, the love is not coloring your glasses rose. Yeah. But just... Maybe, I don't know, consult someone else about the marriage. And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go more into mary's um state of mind in the next episode i feel like it's not great because she hasn't had a great life well she's basically been kicked to the curb by france from the moment david rizzio was murdered which was a traumatic experience Mm -hmm. all in itself and she had to just sweep it under the rug and And she presence of the man she's six months pregnant she's about to give birth to a child that people are already whispering Mm -hmm. is illegitimate um, it's been speculated she might have had postpartum disorder That's, as well. Yeah. And she's, it just seems like she kind of went off you the rails. You also kind of have to think, like, she didn't want that marriage, and now she almost feels trapped because she has a child of said marriage that she wanted to dissolve Yeah, with every fiber of her being, and now she can't. 
And now she's gone from, I don't want you to, holy fuck, I have to protect the child in my belly because here we are. And you're a terrible human and being and I'm stuck with you and I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. It was my just. My best friend in front of me because you're a jealous fuck. It's just not a great situation. Oh, you guys, that still happens today. I would just like you to know that. <laughs> not on this scale, but it still happens today. Um, but yeah, let's let's segue into our random question. So our random question is heavy, but a good heavy. I think it's I think it's a beautiful heavy. Yeah. yeah. So what was the movie we watched? Do you your friend suggested a movie or gave you a movie? Yeah, he gave me a movie. It was um nine something. I think it was nine souls or nine lives or nine people. <laughs> something with a nine in it. It was really good. Um, it was interesting. It was very long. And was, I had was, so many questions at the end. It was good. It was, <laughs> but it, it was, was good. beautiful. It was just, just yeah, it was yeah. it made you think and it made you feel. But there was definitely a, a running theme where basically the the premise of the movie is these people have to like, I don't know, audition to be made alive. Yeah, so this this man interviews nine people. That's why it's called I think it's Nine Souls. I really should look that up. Um, And he, at the end of nine days, he gets to determine which of those people actually get to go live their lives on Earth. Yeah, to be like real humans. And the whole point of the film is he's, he's trying to pick somebody he knows will survive on Earth because people on Earth are shitty. And it comes down to one person who is jaded um he's very jaded and has very little faith in people but you know he'll fight back and the other person is curious but also and naive and- she's a little naive but she's also curious mm-hmm. she asks the questions nobody else asks and she she has a genuine love for life yeah and he has to choose between the two um and anytime somebody is not chosen when he decides to cut them he lets them basically choose how their final moments. Yeah, they get to spent. they get to choose their final. It's nine days. The movie yeah. is called Nine Days. Um, they get to choose their final out of everything that they've seen on these like cameras that they've been watching. Like, what do you want your final moment being? Being yeah, to be before you die. Yeah, um, yeah. and <laughs> he will recreate it for them to the best of his yeah. ability. So Rachel and I have decided that that's going to be her. Yeah. What would your final deep question? What would you want final your final be? experience to be? Do you want me to go first or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. I'm going to step on the computer. Don't do that. <laughs> it's actually very similar to the, the one guy on the beach. Yeah. I would, um, Mine also has something to do with water. <laughs> I would want to be under, a full moon at night mm-hmm. on the beach. Um, I think I would want to be surrounded by my friends, maybe have a bonfire going and basically just be sitting on the beach, watching the water come in and out, holding a marshmallow um, <laughs> as it's burning. I love it. Our experience is very similar. What's yours? So mine would be um, after a day on the lake with family and friends, um, that mm-hmm. moment right before dusk when everything gets really quiet and very peaceful and, you know, people the are going back hour. in. And, yeah, it's the golden hour, so everything's beautiful. Um, 
obviously it would be after I finished like a really good book and you know that feeling you get when you finish a really good book yeah. and you like it takes you a minute to get back back to reality yeah um so it's raining but the kind of storm where the sun peeks through the heavy white clouds and everything is beautiful and crisp awaiting the thunderstorms living on the horizon Oh, <laughs> I, I, we've been in Havasu when we yeah, were seeing that. It's beautiful like that. Yeah. I love that. And so I want my last experience to be the setting, setting that book down and swimming out into the deepest part of the lake. But I don't have a fear of the deepest part of the lake. I do oh, have yeah. a, a little bit of that fear. That's so um, peaceful. Nothing in my head, just quiet, peaceful. And I'm floating, looking up at the sky. I love that. And like that would be my final moment. That's beautiful. Yeah. So I love that our final moments are kind of the same. Yeah, with water. <laughs> yes, we have a we have a strong obsession with water. I love water. It's just it's so peaceful. It's so peaceful. Yeah. I always feel such immense calm when I'm in front of a huge body of water. Well, because you, you don't you don't feel the weight of yourself in water either. Like yeah, there's no gravity pulling you down. You know, you kind of for me forget everything, especially when I'm watching the waves in the ocean it's just literally seeing it it makes me understand in a way that I don't like even when I'm looking at the stars that there's something so much bigger out there than I am and I'm such a small insignificant part but I am a part and I do exist and it's just a beautiful feeling yeah you're insignificant but you yourself can make your experience significant exactly Yeah. yeah so that I like that I think that's a good ending for the episode. It's beautiful. <laughs> Especially after such a heavy hitter. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Would you want your water to be warm or cold? I would want it to be not like frigid cold, but cool. So not like Tahoe cold, but like the deepest part of Havasu like, cold. Like how a pool is supposed to feel in a hundred degree weather when it's like 70 degrees. Like okay. it's refreshing. All right. yeah. 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 I like it. I would be the same. I, I would want my water to be like a little bit. Finn is bit just cold. all about loving you right now. Oh, Hi, yeah. bud. He's probably about to get into fucking trouble right now. You're so, so no, look at him. No, he's a monster. Don't fall for it. <laughs> look at him. He's an angel. No, he's a terrorist. It's okay, baby. You can come home with literally me. literally got two terrorists. He can, you thought it was a good idea. <laughs> My bag is right over there, yeah, Finn. Finn. Go on. It's right over there. Go on, Finn. Go on and fit. Look at him. He's such a sleek panther. <laughs> oh, he's Well, so you cool. have been listening to Difficult Damsels. Yes. If you have sorry for the heavy hitter today. <laughs> if you have any suggestions or comments, or you want to um, correct me on my Scottish, you can reach us. Can at... fuck off with the last part? <laughs> but at difficult.damsels at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook at Difficult Damsels the Podcast. Um, you can support our podcast by uh, giving us five stars on iTunes stars and Spotify. Only. <laughs> and um you can leave a review guys leave reviews they really want to hear what you have to yes. say like good or bad but like mostly good and um <laughs> this world is going to shit getting very scary it's and if up. ever there was a time to be difficult yeah definitely be difficult because now yeah now is definitely the time to be difficult with people trying to decide how we Oh, we get to make our choices. Yeah. Um, 21st century people are still trying to put us down as women. Yeah. So. It's uh, now more than ever, you know, we're with you. Stay difficult. Yeah. Stay difficult and reach out if you need to talk. Cause we are here.
feel your feelings and all the shit. <laughs> yeah, we have that conversation with like a random woman. She was like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't even be saying all of this. And we were like, no, please. Like, yeah, feel your we feelings. need to talk to each other. We need yeah. to get it out. So, yeah. yeah. The reason our society is so fucked is because we're all repressed and oppressed. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> all the shit. <laughs> so, yeah. In the words of Monty Python, I'm being oppressed. <laughs> we are. Stay difficult. Stay difficult. 